0: Father, I beg that you would please lead us as tonight we're going to be sharing again the gospel. We want to look at your word, Father, and we want you to teach us. We want to be able to understand exactly what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I don't want to know what Chad says. He doesn't know what I want. He doesn't want to know what I say. We want to know what your Bible says, what you say. Amen. So speak to us, my Father. Speak to us through the Spirit. And may your angels be here as well. Bless us all that we can hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we got another video here, Chad. We went down to Chicago, and we're asking people questions. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Tonight we're going to learn about... We're going to ask them the question of, are you a Christian? Okay, are you a Christian?
1: Um, I guess.
0: I am. Are you a Christian? No. You are a Christian? No, I'm Catholic. Are you a Christian? Yes, Roman Catholic. I am a Christian. yes. Yes. So you are a Christian? Yes. A lot of people say yes, a lot of people say no. I thought it was kind of interesting, and I've I've had this happen a lot of times at the door. If you go to somebody who's a a Roman Catholic, you'll say, hey, are you a Christian? And their answer is no, I'm a Roman Catholic. Well, the next time you speak with a Roman Catholic, you say, hey, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Roman Catholic. And I thought that was interesting how we got that right there in the video. Mm -hmm. we're not picking on Roman Catholics. It's just because we're talking about the Antichrist, and because the Antichrist has been revealed in the Bible as the Roman Catholic Church, I mentioned that. Anyways, Chad, would you pick it up in our first uh, scripture for us, please?
1: Yes, we read here in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Speaking of the Antichrist power or the little horn power, what we read here is, And he, the Antichrist, shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time... Time, ...and times and the dividing of time. So this Antichrist power is going to think to change times and laws.
0: Now, could you actually change God's laws? As much as you could change his character, yes. But, but can you ever change his character? No, you can't change God's character. Absolutely. Now, here, I mean, just just a question. If he is speaking against the Most High, and he's wearing out the saints of the Most High, and he's thinking to change times and laws... Could it be that here in context it's referring to the laws of God, not just the laws of the land?
1: No, this, this is not talking about just the laws of the land. I mean, we, we change the laws of the land all the time. But the Antichrist is much more going to try to do his best to actually change God's
0: laws. And we're going to look at this tonight. Okay, notice what it says in the Old Testament. Psalm chapter 40, verse 6 through 8. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. Now, sacrifice and offering, was that the moral law that, that, that told us to sacrifice lambs and goats and, and oxen? No, it was, it was a law, but it wasn't the moral law. It was actually a ceremonial law,
1: a law that had specifics on exactly what kind of sacrifice you would have for a certain time of the year or for a certain sin or these kinds of things. Even for leprosy. Even for leprosy, that's right.
0: So here it says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. This is the, the psalmist talking to God. Mine ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Yea, your law is within my heart. So according to the scripture here, what is God's will?
1: God's will is, well, he says, I delight to do thy will, thy law, is within my heart. It is God's will that we would keep His law. We've already talked about the fact that we can do nothing of ourselves. We're not saved by the law. We're saved by grace through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But if we are saved through Christ, He will give us victory over sin time by time. We will be growing in grace. It doesn't mean exactly you find victory, but you will
0: grow in victory in Jesus Christ. Notice the distinction there. It talks about uh, the law of God that was referring to sacrifice and offering or burnt offerings. It wasn't desired or required. But he says, I delight to do your will. Your law is within my heart. He's talking about two laws there. There's the moral law and the ceremonial law. Now, many times when you talk with Christians today, having been a pastor for eight years and having studied with literally thousands of people, I find that most of us as Christians, Protestant Christians, do not understand that there are more than just the one law. If you say, hey, the law's been done away with, they think everything's gone. The Ten Commandments are done away with. eh? We can steal now. Yeah. We can commit adultery. We can covet and we can, we can do everything else like that. Well, that's not the reality. There's more than just one law. See, So continue on, brother. Read for us. Now
1: we're going to find out that that passage in Psalms chapter 40 was actually a prophecy of when Jesus would come. And we read here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 through 7. It says, Wherefore, when he, Jesus, cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. This is a quote from there in Psalm chapter 40. But a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. And we saw in Psalms chapter 40, after it says, I've come to do your, I've come to do your will, he said, your law is within my heart. So we have a picture that Jesus, when he was here on planet earth, had the law of God written on his heart. Now, we can actually, okay, to, to have it written on his heart, did that mean the law was somehow done away with him? his life and he didn't have to follow the law
0: no that meant he he actually lived out the law of god
1: and we can see that in the next verse here as we flip to our next slide we read here in john chapter 15 verse 10 jesus said if ye keep my commandments ye shall abide in my love even as i have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love so jesus says i kept the commandments of the father and I abode in His love. So the love for God in the commandments—they go hand in hand. Jesus Himself said in John chapter fourteen, verse fifteen: "If you love Me, what? Keep My commandments." Keep my commandments. Jesus kept His Father's commandments. Was it some? Was Jesus a legalist?
0: Uh, no. No, Jesus was <laughs>
1: not a legalist by any means. He. But he overcame sin. He never had any sin. But when the temptations were thrown at him from the devil, he
0: always quoted the scriptures. He used the word of God to overcome temptation. Amen. You notice it says, I kept my Father's commandments, even as you're supposed to keep my commandments. I had somebody pull this out on me one time. Like, hey, we're not supposed to keep God's commandments. We're supposed to keep the commandments of Jesus. You know, the new ones in the, in the New Testament. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as himself. But notice what it does say in the New Testament. Revelation chapter 14, verse 12 Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of who? Of God and what? The faith of Jesus. Believe me. Believe you me. The commandments of God and the faith of Jesus are not different. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 22 pretty plainly, Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What does that mean to us?
1: Well, if you have all the commandments, he says... All, if, if you have to love your neighbor as yourself, and you take that and you can put that on one hand. Love your neighbor as yourself and love God with all your heart and put that on the other hand. All the commandments in the scripture hang on these two laws. Now, if you think about it, in the Ten Commandments, you have the first four commandments, which have to do with your relationship with who, do you know? With God. And the last six commandments have to do with your relationship with who? with other people, with human beings. So on, the, on, on these two commandments, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, on these two commandments,
0: all the, they, they sum up all of the law. That's what we see here. Amen. Let's continue on here. It says, Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their what? Hearts. And in their what? Their minds, will I write them? You know, it's synonymous in the Bible, the word mind and heart, as we read there in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 and 6. The new covenant of the New Testament is that God will write his law in our hearts and in our minds. Is that what the scripture says? That's exactly what we read here in
1: Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 and 6. Now, it says that the law in the new covenant... Now, many people say, I'm a new... You know, they might say, I'm a new covenant Christian. Now, what does that mean? We see here very clearly in Hebrews chapter 10 that having the new covenant experience in Jesus Christ is to actually have the law written on your heart. Well, what does that mean? We already saw that Jesus had the law written on his heart, and when he had the law written on his heart, it enabled him to keep the law. And God wants to give us victory over sin day by day, that we grow in grace, and we grow in, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, as we read in 2 Corinthians. So what's happening here is that if we have the new covenant experience, we have the law written on our hearts. But it's strange. Some people actually believe that the new covenant means the law is done away with.
0: No, the law is not done away with. In fact... Uh, a very similar scripture to this one here, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 and 6, is in Hebrews chapter 8, verses, let's see, uh, 6 through 10-ish, somewhere around there, you can read it some other time. But what it's saying is, you know, the, 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 command, the covenant I had with the children of Israel back when I took them out of, the, out of the land of Egypt, they didn't keep my laws, they broke that covenant. So after those days, I will write my law in their hearts and in their minds. And after those days, after the children of Israel coming up out of Egypt, it's today's christianity right so what it's saying is it's very similar scripture to this in hebrews eight is that the law of god in the new testament is in our hearts and in our minds that's right pick it up brother
1: we read on here now what we're going to do is we're going to do a study because there's this there's these questions because it does say that the law was nailed to the cross in the bible but the question is what law was nailed to the cross what law was done away with when christ died on the cross for our sins there on Calvary. Now, we're going to do a study, and we're going to see that there are particularly two distinct kinds of laws. There actually are probably more laws than just two, but we're going to look at these two laws. We're going to look at the moral law, or the Ten Commandments, and we're going to look at what is called the ceremonial law, which involved different kinds of ceremonies. We now, read here...
0: Now, Chad, real, real quick, before you go
1: on, we've only got a half an hour. Are we going to be able to cover everything? No, we, no, we, we do not have time, so if you have extra questions after this, please talk to us.
0: You've got to fix yourself there, brother. You're falling apart. Thank you. As you're fixing yourself, I'll read. At that time, the Lord said unto me, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and come up unto me into the mount, and make thee, of ark, uh, make thee an ark of wood. And I will write on the tables the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest, and thou shalt put them in the ark. So what's happening here is when Moses came down from the mountain the first time, you can read all about this in Exodus. He came, and he saw the children of Israel had broken the commandments, and so what he did is he threw the commandments down at the altar that they had been worshiping around, and he showed, as those commandments shattered, that that's what they had just done to the covenant, okay? They had just shattered it. And so what happens is, God says, hey, take another set of tablets and bring them to me. I'm going to write the same thing that was on the previous tablets with my finger, God's finger. And he says, put them where? In the ark. In the Ark, what's the Ark? The Ark of the Covenant was something that was in the sanctuary, was it? In the most holy place? In the most holy place. And it represented the character of God. In fact, right above the Ark where the Ten Commandments were was what's called the Shekinah Glory. Do you know what that was?
1: Yeah, it was the very presence of God. Now the room, the most holy place, did not need a lantern or a lamp, but it actually was brightened by the very presence
0: of God. That's awesome. It's amazing. That's absolutely awesome.
1: And we read here in Romans chapter 3 verse 20. So we saw that the 10 commandments, who wrote the 10 commandments? God. He God. wrote them on what? Stone. Stone. God wrote them on tables of stone and they were put where? In the Ark of the Covenant. And why were they written? Romans 3.20 says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So the law does not save you. It doesn't have the power to save, but it makes you knowledgeable to the fact that you have sin. So the law itself shows you. It's like a mirror. You look into the law and you say, Okay, because... Paul, when he talked about the law in Romans chapter 7, verse 7, he says, I wouldn't even, even have known what covetousness was unless the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So he says, I look at the law, and the law reveals to me that I am a sinner. So this is what the Ten Commandments are. They were written by God on tables of stone. They were put in the Ark of the Covenant, and they were made, why? To, to, reveal, sin. to reveal sin. So let's go on a little bit further, Daniel.
0: Okay, it says, as we see the moral law and the ceremonial law. Notice what it says in Deuteronomy 31, 26 through 28. It came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing, when Moses had made an end of writing, when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book, until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites, which bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, take this book, this book, the one that Moses had written, this book of the law and put it in the side of the Ark. Does it say inside the Ark? It says, put it in the side of the ark. Put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be therefore a witness, how? Against thee. Against you. Now,
1: these are some key points to notice. Who is writing this law particularly here? Moses. Moses. Now, this is, you're going to learn something that most pastors do not know. Literally. This is something that most pastors do not even know, at least this clearly. Now, what we see here is Moses wrote this law, and he wrote this law in a what? You book, see it? It book. says Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book. Now you can see that this is in, in distinction to the Ten Commandments, which were, which were written by God on tables of stone. This law was written by Moses in a book. And he, God told him, put it where? Take this book of the law and put it where? Beside, or, or in the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God. And then he says what? That it may be therefore a witness against thee. So we're beginning to see that there are two distinct kind of laws, at least, in the Bible. Let's go on further.
0: Okay, I'm going to get past this one here. I thought you were going to go on. All right. There we go. Neither will I any more remove the foot of Israel from out of the land which I have appointed for your fathers, so that they will take heed to do all that I've commanded them, according to the whole law... And the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of Moses. What's happening here?
1: What's happening here is you can see there's, there's the whole law. But then he specifically points out the statutes and the ordinances by the hand of who? Moses. So the things that Moses wrote were called statutes and what? Ordinances. Now this, we're going to review again just so that these things can sink in our minds a little bit deeper. Now the Ten Commandments once again were written by who? God. They were written by God and they were written on what? Stone. Stone. And they were put Where? in the ark in the ark of the covenant and they were written to reveal sin correct this is what the bible says very clearly now when we look at the law of moses obviously who wrote the book who wrote the book of the law moses moses wrote it and he wrote it in what papyrus he wrote it in a book right or or a papyrus scroll something like this and then they were put where on the side beside or on the side of the ark of the covenant and they were written as a witness against them and it contained what we see are called statutes and ordinances so you're beginning to see that there are two distinct laws in the bible let's go on a little further
0: the bible says in colossians 2 verse 14 well, let's Light. clarify
1: real quick now we're going to ask the question this verse is going to tell us that a certain law was done away with we're looking in the new testament these were old testament mm-hmm. verses clarifying what law was there now we're looking in colossians and we're asking the question Okay, what law was done away with? Surely there was a law that was nailed to the cross, but this verse is going to tell us which law, and you tell us. We're not going to tell you. You tell us which law was nailed to the cross. Go for it, Daniel.
0: Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross.
1: Now, if you look at these points, there was a law that was nailed to the cross. But which law was nailed to the cross? Which law contained handwriting that an actual man wrote down? Which law was it? The ceremonial or the Ten Commandment law? The ceremonial law, right? And which law had statutes and ordinances as we see up there? Which one? Moses' law, right? The ceremonial law. And it was also written as a witness against us. We saw in Deuteronomy chapter 31. So, okay, there is a law that is fulfilled, that is nailed to the cross as Jesus died on that cross for our sins. But which law was it? Was it the law that Moses wrote, or was it the law that God inscribed on stone? Which one was it? Moses' law. Now, did I tell you that, or did you tell me first? You told me first, right? So you can see very clearly, there's two distinct
0: laws. Is that correct, Daniel? There is, you know, and and I've worked in concrete before, before I was a Christian. I was doing a lot of different construction type things. And I have tried to nail, I literally have tried to nail with a hammer and uh, nails into concrete. It doesn't work very well. Have you ever tried that? What you have to do is you have to get out one of those drills, one of those cement drills and bore down into it and yep. then put what's called a redhead bolt in there. And then you can, con- you can uh, keep something down. But concrete or stone is pretty difficult to nail to a cross. If, if I'm just looking at it in a literal sense, but if I took a book or something made of papyrus paper, I could probably nail something like that to the cross. Yeah, so even just the, basic, just the basic uh, English of the text seems to indicate that it couldn't have been the moral law. Exactly. Now, here's... Go ahead. No, go ahead. Here's another thing. Like, why in the world would you ever think, as a good Christian, that the law that represents God's holy character would be taken and put to an end? That doesn't make any good Christian sense. So, if your pastor ever says something like, hey, the law's been done away, say, okay, next time you pass around the tithe plate, I'm going to take a little change. It don't matter if we break the law of tithe or or break the law law of stealing, there is no no law. And by the way, pastor, I want to sleep with your wife. Let's get serious. Why would a pastor say that? I've I've met with pastors. I used to be the host of a television broadcast called uh, Ask the Pastor in Grand Rapids. And I met with 50 or 60 different pastors. And so many of them would say something like, hey, the law's been done away with. I didn't have the courage, but I wish I would have said, hey, then, then let me take your wife home tonight. Let's just be honest with them. Is it really broken? Can you really just do anything now? I mean, is that the case?
1: No, it doesn't make any sense. If you think about it, can you go and now... So, okay, the law is done away with. Now you can kill, you can steal, you can lie, you can covet. You can have you, other
0: gods before you. Yeah, you, you
1: can do anything now because the law of God is done away with. Now, okay, Daniel, if, if, if there is no law, then... What, okay, what, first of all, what is sin?
0: Sin is the transgression of the law, according to 1 John 3, 4.
1: That's right. So sin is breaking the law.
0: The, now The Bible also says in 1 John chapter 5, at the end, it says, All unrighteousness is sin. That's right.
1: Okay. Now, okay, if, if sin is breaking the law, I've sinned, right? We've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. So if we've sinned, we need a what? Repent. We need to confess. And rep- we need a Savior, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure. We need a Savior. Now, if we've sinned, we need a Savior. But what if there was no sin? If there's no law, there's no sin, right? That's right. So if there's no law anymore, then there's no such thing as sin. And if there's no such thing as sin, do you need a Savior? I don't need a Savior. You don't need Jesus. As long as there's no law, you don't need Jesus because you are sinless. Because the only thing that makes you a sinner is the fact that you have broken God's law. So do you see how dangerous this is to hear a teaching that, someone, that, that the law of God is done away with? If that is in fact true, we don't need Jesus because we are sinless. And I feel troubled to even talk about these things like that. The reality is God's law, as we've already seen in Psalms chapter 1, 11, verse 7 and 8, that God's commandments are forever. They will not change.
0: So it says, the angel speaks to Mary and says, You will bring forth a child, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Hmm. What is sin again? Sin is breaking God's law. So he's going to save people from breaking God's law. Right? Yes. I mean, that's what the Bible says right there in 1 John 3, verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses, or whosoever commits sin breaks also the law. Because sin is breaking the law, to put it in basic English, Daniel's translation. Now, continue for us, brother. What does this say?
1: Well, the reality is this we see here in 1st Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9 before I even go into this I'm going to share something with you the reality is is that God's law is eternal amen we have talked about the antichrist power we've seen exactly particularly who this antichrist power is the Bible's very clear who it is and why would the antichrist the bible says as we already saw in Daniel chapter 7 verse 25 is going to th- Think to change God's laws. There's a spirit of Antichrist in the world, and the reality is one of the most dangerous teachings that I can think of would be claiming that God's law is done away with or could be changed. And why would the Antichrist want to change God's law? Well, if you think about it, what is the new covenant? The new covenant is that something is going to be written on your heart. What was that? The law. The law is going to be written on your heart. This is the new covenant relationship. Some people think the new covenant is that the law is done away with. But that's not what we saw in Hebrews chapter 10, nor Hebrews chapter 8, if you read that. So the, the law written on your heart is what Jesus had. Jesus says, I delight to do thy will, O God, your law is within my heart. Jesus kept God's law by the strength of his Father. And so if, if somehow the law could be changed or if the Antichrist could deceive people into thinking that the law would be changed, he could keep them from experiencing the new covenant relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. If he could deceive people into changing the law or thinking the law could be changed or saying it's done away with, how could you have the law written on your heart if it's been done away with? So you see how deeply deceptive this power is, the Antichrist power is, and this spirit that is going through much of Christianity saying this law is done away with. But we read here in one Corinthians chapter six, verse nine through eleven. It says, "Know ye not, or don't you know, that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters." Here's Paul speaking of the second commandment nor adulterers, the seventh commandment, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, the eighth commandment, nor covetous, the tenth commandment, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this is heavy. He says, if you commit these sins, he said, you can't go to heaven, right? That's right. That's heavy. Now, have you ever, Jesus told us that adultery was what? He said, if a man looks on a woman and lusts after her in his heart, he's what? He's committing adultery. He's committing adultery. And Paul says here, he says, listen, if you do these things, you're not going to go to heaven. Who's he talking to, though? He's talking to the church in Corinth. And after listing off all these sins, and he says, if you do these things, you're not going to be in the kingdom of God. But notice what he says. I think this is one of the most solemn passages in the Bible. And at the same time, one of the most exciting passages. Why? Because he goes on to say, and such were some of you, you Corinthians, but you are washed But you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So what is happening here? What we see is this. He says, listen, if you've committed adultery, if you look on a woman to lust after her, if you've been a drunkard, if you've been a, a reveler, if you've been a thief, an idolater, he says, you can't go there. But he says to the church in Corinth, he said, this is the way you guys, what? Were. You were. You used to be this way, but you've been changed. You have been changed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't just do away with the law. He gives you victory over sin. He wants to change your life. And I've already said it before. It wouldn't be hopeful for the wife of a drunkard, for the wife of an alcoholic, if if someone says to him, listen, your sins are forgiven. Jesus doesn't care about your sins. You can go on living the way you want and he forgives you. Would that be good news to the wife of that man? Would she like it that she, her husband would still beat her as an alcoholic? No, it wouldn't bring her any happiness. There's no, there's no hope in that. There's no blessing in that gospel. But the gospel is that God can give you victory over sin.
0: The Bible says pretty clearly, If you love me, keep my commandments. You know Jesus said that? And do you know Jesus was the one that gave us the commandments? It's clear in the Bible. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 18. No man has seen the Father at any time. The Bible says Jesus Christ was the Creator. You can see that in Hebrews. You can see that in Ephesians. You can see that in Colossians. Jesus right here was the one that's been working with this world the entire time, ever since the very beginning. If you don't believe that, if you'd like to see more of that, give me a call, send an email, talk to me, and I'll show you those things. The reality is Jesus is the one that's been with this world saying, If you love me, keep my commandments. Do you know... The commandments reveal the character of God. You've seen it. You've seen that God is good, true, holy, pure, perfect, just, spiritual, eternal, light. And so is the law. Good, just, pure, holy, spiritual, eternal, and light. Why in the world would we want to submit to the Antichrist power and what they have done to influence most of Christianity today in saying the law of God is done away with? Or can be changed. You cannot change the character of God. You cannot do away with the character of God. What the devil is trying to do is take God right off his throne and put himself up there in his place, claiming to be God, sitting in the church, the temple of God, as though he is God. And that's why Chad and I are calling him out, the Antichrist, the devil himself, and the powers that he's using on this world. But I wonder, is there somebody here that wants to say, God, I don't want to be part of this system anymore that is saying God's holy character is gone or has been changed or anything like that. I want to stand up for truth because of Jesus. I want to follow Christ. I want to understand more about His character, more about the character of God, and I want to walk in His way. If there's somebody like that, say, Lord, it's me. It's me. I want to see your hands. I want to follow Jesus and uplift His character. I want to glorify Him. Chad, would you pray for us?
1: Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your truth. I thank you that you reveal things to us so clearly today from the Scripture. But Lord, I realize that many times your truth is not being taught. I've been there. I've been to, I've been to church and I've heard things that are not of you, Lord. And for even times I was slowly getting pulled away in these things. But I thank you that you're not asking us. To just believe what a man says. You're not even asking anybody here to believe what Daniel or I say. You're asking us to search your word and to believe the truth. But these things are so clear, Lord. I just pray that you would help us to know more about you. I pray that you would give us the strength to open your word and to spend time with you in your word and give us a love for the teachings of Jesus Christ and for the Bible. Lord, I pray that you would change us. I pray that you would prepare us for the next message. In the name of Jesus, amen.